I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, you're listening to a bonus episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where we're discussing Evil Dead Rise. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies and can't wait to get into Evil Dead Rise, which is the latest instalment in the long-running Evil Dead horror franchise, which tells the tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons. The sisters and their family are thrust into a primal battle for survival as they face down a mother of a nightmare. Evil Dead Rise is written and directed by Lee Cronin of the horror The Hole in the Ground. And it stars Lily Sullivan, Alyssa Sutherland, Morgan Davies, Gabrielle Eccles and Nell Fisher. Now, I just want to open with this because mm. apparently Evil Dead Rise was commissioned and meant to be on the streaming platform HBO Max. Yes. It wasn't going to get a theatrical release, but it tested so positively mm. with test audiences that the distributor went, this has to go to cinemas. Yeah. I'm so glad that decision was made because... It is such an experience, this movie, isn't it, which we're going to get into. I just can't imagine sitting at home watching this for the first time. Yeah, seeing this one on the big screen is certainly something else. Not least because the aesthetic of it is quite dark. Mm -hmm. It's designed to be quite dark. And Mm. I guess if you're watching it on a small screen, it's not going to hit you as well as as some of those gorier moments do on the big screen. Hit you, they do. (laughs) Like they come through the screen. Could you imagine if this was in 3D? How good would it have been in 3D? I would be actually thinking that I needed to wipe the blood from my face if that was the case. (laughs) We'll give you a bit of background. So Mm. this Evil Dead franchise began in 1981 Mm. with Evil Dead. Mm -hmm. This is the fifth film in the series and it really has a huge cult following, doesn't it? A really dedicated cult following Mm. that have been following this series and all its iterations for, well, that's 40 years. (laughs) Okay. What the hell? How is that? 
early 80s, now 40 years ago. Oh, stop How it. How did we get here? Stop it. So the franchise was rebooted in 2013 after quite a big break and distributed by Sony Pictures. And that reboot did moderately successfully, taking in $97 million from a budget of $17 million. It's not bad. That's not a bad return. Not a bad for a sort of low-budget horror. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that's part of the economics of horror is that generally their budgets are quite tight and quite small and they pack mm. a big punch and then they have a high return at the box office. So I'd be pretty happy with that return if, yeah. if my wallet was in the game. <laughs> These last two reboots, though, have moved away from some of that campy 80s horror humour yes. that made the first film such a wild ride. Yeah. And they're going for more straight gore and pushing the boundaries of, of body horror. And then they push it even further in this film, don't they? Look, we have seen the rise of body horror in horror movies probably from the last 20 years, especially mm-hmm. when Saw, the Saw franchise, came oh, yeah. to be. That's like horror porn, though. I think that's a slightly different genre because you look away and don't want to look back. But in comparison to Evil Dead Rise, you look away, but you, you still want to glance back to see what <laughs> else there is. I think that's the, yeah. the difference there. To see how far they're going to go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The difference in this story as well is this one puts the women front and centre of the story and introduces a family dynamic with kids, which I'm not sure has been done in these films before. Oh, I don't think so. No, which means, of course, you're going to get deadite kids (laughs) being possessed. Like, there's no way around it. You can't let the kids get off scot-free. No, no one is safe. No (laughs) one is safe. For those who aren't versed in this series, deadites are parasitic demons that feast on souls. And that's what happens throughout the films. When you put it like that, it really just gives you a sense of what you're in for with this, that it feasts on their souls because (laughs) it is really intense demonic possession in that way because how it plays out, and this isn't so unlike other movies, but there's a real emotional layer to this because there are times where the real person surfaces or makes themselves Mm. known and whether or not that's been pushed forth intentionally by the demon just to fuck with people. Yeah. Uh, or they're trying to escape to let them, I'm here, I'm real, but they're yeah. fucking shit up and they need to die because it's so <laughs> unsafe. That just is a real intense layer of this movie. Overall, when you walked out of this film, how mm. did you feel? Because you're, you're quite uh, um, squirmy. <laughs> you're quite a pussy when it comes to horror movies. <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> uh, well, I had my fellow horror movie uh, watching buddies in KT and OT from the For Your Reference podcast. Yeah. They were at the screening that I was at. So thank you. Shout out to you guys. Did you end up in uh, OT's lap? Uh, no, not quite. Almost KT's lap. Um, <laughs> I think I held her hand once or, or, or a leg something for some comfort. But do you know what? You'd be proud of me. And I think... I think KT would would back me up here, please, mm-hmm. that I was okay. Like oh, I did yeah. all right. Like there were some things where I had to audibly react to things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you just can't help yourself. <laughs> Jumps, yes, once or twice. But honestly, when I came out to answer your question, I just felt like I had a really good fucking time. Yeah. It's yeah. so entertaining. It's really confronting and full mm-hmm. on. How did you feel when you saw it? Well, some scenes definitely stayed with mm-hmm. me. One mm-hmm. involving a cheese grater. Oh, my God. In particular... No. <laughs> I, oh, I'm going to cautiously grate my cheese. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to think, this is the thing. I love grating cheese and putting it on my spag bowl. Now I'm going to always think back <laughs> to that scene yeah. in this movie. It's not yeah. fair. 
You know, if we've said it once, we've said it a thousand times on this podcast that fresh blood in a franchise can be fantastic. Mm-hmm. It can work really well. Yep. But the incoming filmmaker really has to understand the material and they have to accept that the original creators need to be heavily involved or at least consulted. 100%. And the original creators still need to be collaborative enough to provide guidance without taking over. Yes. So it's all about putting those egos aside. Yes. Do you think that's been done successfully here? I really do think so. Because there's that fresh perspective and really simple but effective things like we've seen in the Scream franchise recently, taking the action out of Woodsboro and putting it in New York City. Here, we're taking the franchise out of the Cabin in the Woods setup and putting it in this urban, decrepit world Mm. of L.A., And that really works. It's still doing and saying the same thing, but giving it a fresh aesthetic and doing it well, which this movie does, it goes a long way and it elevates it where it needs to be in rehashing an IP that people are familiar with, but expecting something Mm. fresh. I'm so glad you used Scream as an example because that's Mm. where my brain goes as well with Matt Bettinelli-Olpen and Tyler Gillett. Not even just the most recent one, Scream 6, where the setting is changed, but Mm. also the previous one. They really, really had a deep love for the material and you could tell that it shone through on the screen. And I think that Lee Cronin also does. He's been having all these conversations with the franchise producer Rob Tapert and the creator Sam Rain me like we know which is a name you're all familiar with <laughs> we know sam raimi's a track record in horror yes he knows what he's doing and um even the star of the earlier films bruce campbell who played mm-hmm. ash yep. he's heavily involved in this as well he's is he an executive producer he is. in this See, he is. yeah that's really nice because they're not trying to take over like you said they're there as consultants and championing and encouraging a new fresh vision and what you get is a product a really slick and sharp product like Evil Dead Rise is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of the story, we spoke briefly about how it's mm. about a family, two sisters, Ellie, played by Alyssa Sutherland, and Beth, played by Lily Sullivan. <laughs> Those <laughs> names. Interchangeable names. <laughs> Both of them are Aussies. Let's hear it for the Aussies. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing sisters, and the underlying, uh, I guess, tension between them is that, you know, Ellie has three children. Mm-hmm. She's a bit of a free spirit, and she, I guess, wants a bit of the life that Beth has. And Beth's a roadie who's always on the road and having a great time and living up her best life. Yes. But maybe she wants a bit of of Ellie's security. Yeah. They're coming back into each other's lives after what seems like they've been estranged for a couple of years. Yeah. And yeah, each of them want a part of what they see as being a good part of their lives, but they're actually coming at a crossroads in their lives mm. together. They're colliding, finding out things about each other that's happened over the last mm. couple of years and trying to find a way, a vessel to like communicate with each other and be open only to be interrupted <laughs> by possessive demons yeah but that just adds a layer of complexity and character work that i wasn't expecting to see because Mm. the first what would you say 15 or 20 minutes we sit with the characters for a while we get to know their tics what their relationships like their histories where they're looking to head in their lives Mm. and that just adds some complexity to Mm. how they interact with each other and the task at hand to save the day if you will it just adds some more depth to the story Mm. that you 
don't necessarily in a horror movie need to go down because there's so many other things to lean into. Yeah, that's often mm. falls by the wayside in horror films. But not here, story. I don't think. No? But no. Were you happy with how they set that up? Did it, did it have enough weight behind it for you? Yeah, it did for a horror film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think some people could say that it was a bit slow to get started, especially if you're going yeah. into a film like this, really just wanting to get into the action and the horror and the gore. But sure. I will say the opening sequence wow. gives you that right off the bat. Yeah. 100%. So there is a sequence in the woods mm-hmm. that gives you that jumping straight into the gore and the horror before you meet these characters. You know, there's something so impactful about the opening titles. Yes. It's just how visual that was and with the sound design and the yeah. music behind it. They kind of rise out of the water, which is really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's it was just a perfect opening. They wet your palate there with, with, the, with <laughs> yeah. the gore and some of that tension. And then, yes, you do marinate in some character work for a while. But ultimately, I think it was needed and important mm. because then it, it raises the stakes for later in the film from my perspective. Yeah. Mm. You get invested in these characters. Definitely. And you, you want them to win. But, I mean, in yeah. these films, how Does many? Does anyone win? <laughs> Does anybody win in these films? I don't know. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know. I want to talk about Sutherland's physicality in this oh movie. Oh, my gosh. Yep, yep, uh, yep. She's the possessed mother. There's no mm. spoiler around that because it's in all the trailers. She's outstanding, mm. really outstanding, so impressive. And when you think about how much of it was her yes. in camera – because deadites can do some really physically impossible things with their bodies. They're not, you know, they're not human mm. anymore. And yeah, seeing her play that out physically was really impressive. Now you spoke to Lily Sullivan and Alyssa Sutherland, and one of the questions that you asked, and friends, you can listen to that interview episode now everywhere you get your podcast, mm. and it's over on our YouTube channel as well. You asked how much of you know your performance was CGI or whatever. She goes, no, 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 it was all in camera, all Mm. that physicality. And when you get that insight into the performance, you're flawed because she knew the assignment and she nailed it. Oh, yeah. She beyond nailed it. She beyond nailed it indeed. My gosh. Sullivan is really kick-ass as well. We've been used to seeing her in more period kind of dramas Mm -hmm. like Picnic at Hanging Rock and all those kind of things. She, as we said, is Beth who longs for the security of family that Ellie has. But she gets some really good... Evil Dead moments, iconic moments that fans are really going to love. She trades in corsets for chainsaws in this one, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I know you said that she's been around a while, mm. but this is the beginning of something really special for her career. Like she is an action star in the making. Yeah. I really can't wait to see how other ways she chooses to kick ass because... She's another one that knows the assignment and, and nails it. Yeah, the two of them together were really fantastic. Yeah, excellent. And I don't think they knew each other before this film. I don't think they'd crossed paths. You yeah. know, this is an assumption that all Australians know each other. <laughs> Such a small country. That's very true. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know Kate Blanchett? No, I don't. We don't know Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I've met Kate Blanchett, but no, I don't know her. Well, that's right. You have met her. I have. There's a good story oh. behind that too. Yes, yes. <laughs> For another time. I remember. I remember. Let's talk about the kids briefly. Okay, mm. Morgan Davies, Gabrielle Eccles, who we've seen in Reminiscence previously, mm-hmm. and Nell Fisher work really well together. And the two older actors really shine in the scarier moments. Yeah. They've got lots to do as well. Yeah. I mean, the character of Danny, played by Morgan Davies, is the catalyst for the chaos that ensues. And he's grappling with a lot as a character based on the choices that he made. He's a curious young man. So, like, I don't mm. blame him for 
when an earthquake hits that a sinkhole opens in the ground <laughs> yeah. and he stumbles across a demonic book. I'm going to take that upstairs. Oh, what's that? Let what's me have a look. That? Oh, this looks interesting. Let me read this out loud. This says, do not open, basically, in every visual <laughs> cue known to man, but I'm just going to open it anyway. Yeah, go for uh, it. And then, you know, you have Bridget, his sister. She attempts to be that protector. She's got great intuition. She's smart. She can see problems coming from a mm. mile away. It's a really good dynamic between those two characters. Yeah, anyway. and then you get Nell's character, Cassie, mm. who's the youngest one, little innocent, playful, imaginative yeah, kid. Cute. But what's great about all these kids is that normally kids get sidelined in films like this. Yeah. Because, you know, what are you going to do with them? Mm-hmm. Like you can't torture children. That's just sick. Well, hold <laughs> hold my drink, says Evil Dead Ralph. <laughs> But no, no, they really make use of them in this film and, yeah. and in some interesting and creative and horrifying ways. Um, but, you know, I will say, like, I want to clarify, it's not like torturing kid porn. Like it's, sure. It's no. no, no, no. No, no. It makes sense for the story. It does make sense for the story. Yeah. I always do wonder because I felt really impacted by the horrendous things that these kids were seeing and involved in. I was like, holy shit, these poor mm. children. But then it, I always think back, to what the experience would have been like for these children on set. The way you were gesturing there, I was thinking, I think back to my own experiences (laughs) with demons. (laughs) When my own father was demonically possessed (laughs) in the (laughs) mid-90s. No, sorry, Tony. He's all right. I can't imagine that. Your dad's too nice. He's too nice. What a gentleman. (laughs) Shout out to dad. Yeah, no, I just think about how as a director, as producers, from a health and safety perspective, bring the kids back down to reality and let them know everything's okay. I I just find that whole thing really interesting because this movie went places that would have really impacted anyone being involved, let alone kids. Yeah, definitely. Take, you take it with you, don't you? Yeah. As you see in my interview with Alyssa Sutherland where mm-hmm. she talks about that um, she maybe took a spirit with her into her hotel room. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> nope, big nope. <laughs> big nope. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the effects and the sort of set design and cinematography for a second. So the in-camera effects, they're really leaning heavily on that and they're mm-hmm. so brutal yeah. and so well done. And what's even more impressive when you see what unfolds you know we're talking 6,500 liters of fake blood gushing from an elevator from a practicality standpoint like my mind is just blown how yeah. you pull that off where do you begin <laughs> I know. Like, because surely that would be a one and done you couldn't all right clean up on aisle nine let's do that again <laughs> yeah it's a casual six and a half thousand liters of blood <laughs> yeah exactly what that thing back where it came from also help me <laughs> I think it, I mop think it up, mop, mop it, it up. up, mop it up. The intern, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's limbs being thrown around. There's eyeballs being eaten, skulls ripped off, and as I mentioned, that particular scene with the cheese grater that had me squirming in my seat. Like the glass eating for me. The glass eating. I was like, because then there's enough there. The crunch, but then the swallow. Ugh. And I'm like, Mate. and then it's poking through the oh, neck as it goes down. Damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus. But those in-camera effects are just really, really impressive when you yep. think about how mm-hmm. they had to have pulled it off. Like, because you can't replicate that stuff effectively with CGI. You can do it and you do can. it well, but there's something about it being real and tangible and visceral. <laughs> there's and something about really swallowing glass that just that just talks to me. <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> we talked about the setting a little bit. What's really different in this film, as we said, is that it's set in a rundown LA apartment block instead mm. of the spooky woods. Yeah. You know, that's easy. That's been done to death. Been spooky done. woods. Cheating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cheating in the genre. I give you LA apartment block. <laughs> uh, the new setting, as you said, gives filmmakers plenty to work with. Yes. And challenges because mm. the setting is so confined. Yes. It's basically taking place in this one apartment, mm-hmm. which is not a big apartment. But it builds incredible tension and the creative use of the camera that is that is done here mm-hmm. really makes the space work for the story. And what you also have is a space that's lived in. You know, when you compare it to a cabin in the woods, it's like, oh, you've just Airbnb'd it and there's nice <laughs> pillows and cushions and throws and all that sort of stuff and then you've got your suitcase there. This is a lived-in space, yeah. a family of four. There's just different visual things that just Mm. add layers from a character perspective and then also just how they manoeuvre in the space too. Yeah, they're very squashed into this space. There's nowhere to hide basically. There's nowhere to escape and that adds a level of terror to the story and tension that just builds it up a bit more. Totally. And going back to how you said they have to get creative Mm -hmm. with filming to be able to, to pull this off, there's a really interesting set of sequences that's filmed through a peephole. Yes. Which I loved. Wasn't that brilliant? It was so good. So good. I mean, there's something about a fisheye lens that screams, now bear with me, it screams like, oh, student film because you're trying to be artsy and stuff. But the Mm. context in which that they use this fisheye lens Mm. is through the peephole in the door and it works so effectively from a story intention perspective because you are often missing what's happening. Yes. You're hearing it. But you'll see something thrown across the frame. Literally a body or a limb. And it's utterly terrifying and it's a great framing for the story at that particular time in the film as well Mm. and it just builds and builds beautifully. It's so good. I did read that Lee Cronin didn't use very many of the same shots throughout the film. So creatively it's really stretching what they can do and and how they're presenting this film in different ways. It's Mm. very subtle because, Mm. you know, the average audience probably wouldn't notice that. Mm. It's just interesting that you would choose to do that Mm. and push every scene to be just creatively a little bit different. Well, see, that's the thing. They're clearly pushing the envelope. Mm. They're trying to aim for these dizzy heights and everything about this movie is so beautifully captured in in all the creative aspects, the prosthetics, the makeup, Mm. the, the sound design, all that stuff, the cinematography, all these things we're talking about. It all just works together at the highest level. You get a great product. One of my favorite shots, and they only did this thing once Mm. to great effect. You're in the corridor outside the door Mm. and the demon is like going from the, the roof or the side of the wall onto the floor and the camera tilts with it. Yes. And it's like, it, like you move, you move with it. Yeah. But they only do it once. They don't overuse it. Yes. And it's like, fuck, that was good. That was one of the visual things, those moments yeah. that have stayed with me because it was used so effectively. Oh God, you just reminded me of towards the end of the film and what happens. <laughs> just like, oh, just when you think it can't get any crazier, it can't get any worse, then. Uh, do you want a cool flannel for your forehead? <laughs> Lee Cronin's like, hold my beer. <laughs> Yes. I'm going to up the stakes here. Up the stakes he does. The makeup and design of the costuming, Mm. again, levels up Mm -hmm. because the characters have to go through different stages of the demonization. Sure. And because so much is done in camera, like you just think about the sheer volume of costumes that you need that need to be in various states of bloodiness or distress or torn or whatever. That's such a good point. And same with the makeup Mm. because especially Alyssa Sutherland's makeup, 
changes yeah. and her prosthetics change throughout the film very incrementally. Mm-hmm. So you might not even notice it until there's a big difference at the end. Yeah. And I think poor Alyssa Sutherland was in the makeup chair for like six hours, like a full work day before she even got on set. That honestly always blows my mind about filmmaking is mm. what actors endure and put themselves through to reach an aesthetic or a look for them to be able to do their character justice and to deliver something for the audience. That's astounding. Yeah, you'd just as well go home in the makeup, wouldn't you? I can't be bothered getting up at 2am tomorrow. <laughs> Can we just leave it on? I'll just sleep in it. <laughs> imagine if, imagine if, I just the scenario that you come home from a day's work as a demon and you, and you don't wipe it off and your partner's in bed with you and they were already asleep so they're not aware and they wake up to see you like, Sleep looking like death. Yeah. Is this my sleep paralysis demon moment? Like, fuck, that would be intense. You would have a heart attack waking up next to that. That would be my end. <laughs> it would be that's, the end of that's Tim. where I would die. Oh, in my bed. Fans will notice that there's a new design for that famous Book of the Dead too. Mm-hmm. This version is more alive. It's got skin and arteries and uh, something that looks like a dead cat carcass on the spine. I actually feel physically unwell. <laughs> Those teeth. Yeah. It's impressive though. It is impressive. It really, really makes it clear that the shit that's in this book is going to fuck you up. (laughs) Why would you open it, Danny? Why would you open it? Danny boy. We'd have no story if you didn't. We'd have no story if we wouldn't have an episode. (laughs) So thanks for opening the book, Danny. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it is. It screams like I'm a bad, bad book (laughs) in its design. I'm a naughty book. I'm a naughty book. (laughs) Open me for death. <laughs> Flip to page 50 for some nastiness. Returning <laughs> to a phone sex hotline. Call 555 Nasty Book. <laughs> now. For your impending doom. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. <laughs> On that note, should we wrap up our review of Evil Dead Rise? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, well, Evil Dead Rise is almost like another reboot for the series, I think, in that it's that little bit closer to nailing everything fans of the franchise love while still being a fresh take on the whole concept. It's gory. It's brutal. It's one hell of a good time for horror fans. I'm giving it four popcorn kernels out of five. Hey, love that. Well, Evil Dead Rise is a slick and beautifully shot horror that will tick all the boxes for fans of the genre and Evil Dead franchise. This one surprised me. Despite the hype going in, it still grabbed me from the beginning to end and took me on an intense ride I didn't want to get off. It's not for the faint of heart, Mm. but with an R rating and its horror pedigree behind it, you should be somewhat prepared for what's to come. A violent, gory romp full of satisfying body horror and badass performances that elicit visual reactions over and over. I'm also going to rate Evil Dead Rise for Popcorn Kernels Lee. Well, there you have it. Evil Dead Rise is in Australian cinemas from April 20. And be sure to head over to YouTube and check out our interview with the stars of the movie, Alyssa Sutherland and Lily Sullivan. And you can also hear that wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Lee, yeah. <laughs> we announced last week yes. that you and your husband, Ollie, were going to have a baby. Yes. Which is just wonderful. Well, I'm he having is, the baby. Yeah, Ollie is not pregnant <laughs> Ollie well. is supporting me in that. <laughs> it's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger Jr. scenario. <laughs> yeah. This marks Evil Dead Rise. This episode marks the last episode yes. we're going to be recording together for a mm, while. We thought it would be Mafia Mama, but we squeezed one more in. We just had to. This yeah. this movie begged to be talked about. And we had so to. I yeah. hope you've enjoyed it. 
this chat. But while he's away, I'll be bringing you Popcorn Pals, which is our spin-off series. I'll be joined by other friends within the podcast network. We're going to be talking all things new release movies, so watch out for that. And I'll be back later in the year. You can't get rid of me that easily. Definitely will, my friend. Well, as always, friends, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We have a website, popcornpodcast.com. Make sure you check it out. We've got all our episodes up there for you to listen to. If you'd like to get to know us a little better, there's an About Us section and we run ticket giveaways. So keep an eye on the website for more information. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.